0: Have you, like, ever really thought about existence, man? Oh, yeah. Like, what if this is all some kind of projection, man? Oh, yeah. Like some geezer made a city to fill a bad a plot? Oh, yeah. It's time for the Rules of Acquisition.
1: Okay, uh, hello and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast about deep Star Trek, it's a podcast about Star Trek, <laughs> specifically Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, the best Star Trek, yep, yeah, that's all. Goddamn right. <laughs> with me, as always, <laughs> that's right, uh, with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And also, Hugh Crawford. Hey, gentlemen. And uh, yes, my name is Wade Bowen, and we'll just jump right into it, we're talking about what is, we're in the middle of uh season two I guess this is in season one this is be about the time where they gave us something like move along home but <laughs> what are we dealing with that's not quite what we're dealing with today we're dealing with a, uh, uh, yeah. a show called <laughs> shadow play uh yes
2: shadow yeah. play is episode 16 of season two it originally aired on February 20th Damn 1994. It. The IMDb description is as follows: Odo and Dax investigate the mysterious disappearance of people from a village. Hira tries to keep a close eye on Quark while Vedic Baral unexpectedly visits. Now, I'm going to tell you guys right off the bat. Well, and it doesn't mention the C story, which is Jake gets a job that he
1: doesn't want. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, no A plot, B plot. We got A, B, C in this one. We got A, B, C. We got to pad it out.
2: And I, I want to go right off the gate. I liked this episode more than you guys probably did. Oh, really? Right. I liked. I, I did. I liked parts of this episode.
3: Uh, yeah, th- there's there's two it, scenes I liked. I liked two scenes. And I and I, one I, of, like,
1: one, I like two plots, none of the which were the A-plot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want me to springboard
2: off of what I liked about it, and then we can go from there?
3: Yes, start talking about what you like.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Okay, well, first off, this makes use for the first time probably all season of almost everybody in the cast, with the exception of Dr. Bashir. Bashir, yeah. But it really didn't bother me because I don't care for Dr. Bashir. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he had one little scene that I actually liked, it did something for, like, our gripes about him not having a character. It at least helped out on that, but I'll let you... Sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, no, that's okay. I liked the fact that all the players on board were pretty much paired up with another Claire. We have Odo and Dax, who I don't think have... An, there's I don't think there's an Odo and Dax episode for the rest of the series.
1: No, clearly they, were, they, they got this far and, like, we're well into Season 2. Who have we not put together before? Yep. Oh shit! Okay, well, let's put Odo and Dax together, and and then the first scene starts off with them. The pre-credit scene, I guess, mm-hmm. starts off with them in a shuttle in it, and not in a shuttlecraft because that's not what runabouts are. I guess. Sorry. Come on, come on. Yeah. come on, guys, get your ships right. It's a runabout, which is a souped-up shuttlecraft with a warp drive on it, basically. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Nerd check. It's a pretty, b- pretty, b- pretty big difference, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they, they can go up to
2: warp four, you know. Uh but but you know what I think that was a good scene
1: because you Oh I do too. You, you, oh, you, I do too. That, yeah. It's them gossiping in the the pre-credit scene.
2: Well, no, it brings up a, a really good question about Odo right off the bat from the only character that can tactfully bring it up.
3: Has has Odo ever had sex?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and well, she has he ever been in a relationship with a woman, and he's like, or friends with a woman. He's like, I'm friends with Kira. and she's like, nah, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. And he never says he never has because they, I, but it's basically he hasn't. But at the same time, and I'm gonna
3: be crass. Yeah.
1: They set him up in the in the initial when they introduce him, he has that whole thing talking about how he hates Klingon opera because some woman's gonna make you listen to Klingon opera. Well,
2: that yeah. maybe maybe that was him speaking from experience. So I thought that might have been.
3: See, I thought uh, that, I, I read that more as like 4chan trolling. Like, I hey, hate girls like that and make you do other stuff, you know, while also really saying like, I would totally love a woman to make me have to listen to the like, Klingon, you know. 'Cause he's lonely.
1: <laughs> so oh you're saying that he wishes he had he, uh, he actually really likes Klingon opera and he just doesn't want to admit it
3: Or just that he's like one of those, you know, MR MRA <laughs> oh, guys that yeah. are just saying like oh, No, I don't want a woman in my life, you know. And it's a yeah,
1: it, <laughs> women are, women are women are bitches, man, and then he just cries because he's so lonely. Oh yeah, maybe.
3: What's so wrong? I get to I get to play video games all night whenever I want to. <laughs> yeah. And nobody's telling me I shouldn't eat Cheetos, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that girl gave me a lot of shit for living in my mom's basement, (laughs) but it's pretty cool here.
2: Yeah, (laughs) smart
3: economics guy.
2: She
1: doesn't bother me.
2: I like the pairing of of the characters that we've got going on.
3: Before we get off the sex thing, I was just gonna say, wouldn't not to be crude, but wouldn't Odo kind of be a woman's best friend?
2: Yeah, I think we covered this whenever whenever Deanna Troy's mother came. We talked about well, this. Well,
1: Majel Barrett, or I mean, Luxana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, she can have someone that fits her instead of having to shape herself to fit someone else's needs. Uh, innuendo, innuendo, innuendo. Yet
3: again, I just think that like they're missing an opportunity to have some veiled fun comedy there.
1: Right. But they're setting up that he doesn't understand humanoids. Your humanoid desire for coupling is just how fascinating, he says uh, sarcastically. Mm-hmm. I feel like any time they have a special man say fascinating, they're making an allusion to Spock. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, no,
3: that's true. Yeah, you're right, but I didn't catch that, but you're right.
1: Right, and then there's a Jumjah, a bullion at the Jumjah stand who apparently fancies Quark, which... Mm-hmm. Quark? You mean Odo? I mean Odo, Odo, Odo. I get the slash pairings in my head. <laughs> Not that there's...
3: They're, they're yeah. a common pairing on the show, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're, you know, they're foils to each other. No, there's the bully and jump ja person that has a thing for Odo, apparently. Yeah. Though, the last time we saw the jump ja person... It was a racist Bajoran, so I guess they've had some turnover.
3: Yeah, I think they got rid of him after the blowing up plot of the end of the first season, maybe. Uh,
1: yeah, because Bolians are are they what race? Is that the Moth the Barber blue people race? I don't
3: uh, know. Nerd, uh, nerd corner. Yeah, maybe. But I thought Junja was specifically a uh, Bajoran thing.
1: Yeah, that was my little. I have a little. Um, well, you know, uh, nitpick there, but who we're really excited
3: honestly. to jump into the meat of this episode, aren't we, guys?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. See,
3: I now. Uh, yeah,
2: and I, I, I enjoyed this one. I had a good. I like the pacing of it. I like the structure of it.
3: What? I think that if. Wait! 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 Those two things. Those th- two things, really? The pacing and the.
1: I think I. I think I would have on paper. I think on paper I liked it. And Robert Hewitt-Wolf was the writer for this episode. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's a great writer. It's one of the great writers. He's a great writer, yeah.
1: And it felt like the A-plot felt almost like a modified Next Generation script.
3: Which it it was. Oh, (laughs) yeah, I thought so. (laughs) It was actually a much cooler sounding script than this, and they ended up using it later. Even though I don't remember the episode specifically, but it was originally pitched as an episode about O'Brien and Dax, for some reason, getting trapped in a prison in the... uh, a holodeck prison to where, and then they try to escape <laughs> and they feel like they have escaped, but then they realize that the escape through the whole escape, they were still in the hologram prison.
1: <laughs> oh, that's also like a Rick and Morty. <laughs> yes. Episode.
3: Or, it was later used. <laughs> it was later a adapted for Rick and Morty. No. And at the end, the episode would end as Robert Hewitt Wolf pitched it as they would be safe back on DS nine, but inception where they really, you know, like like the end of Inception, where they really or are, or where they is still in the hologram uh, prison. Oh, uh,
1: and they use this later in DS Nine because that does sound like a script we get a lot later. Yeah, with O'Brien. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's true. But
1: that's all I'll hmm. say. But,
2: well. The ramifications of doing something like that, season two into a series, mm-hmm. you could have characters that are really screwed up for the rest of their lives. <laughs> right. And how could you really How could you really count on the the person serving in, in any sort of paramilitary organization next to you? How can you, right. if they're constantly wondering if they're in re- the base reality that they think they're yeah. in?
1: Well, O'Brien could be worrying about that right now, whether or not he's a clone from some... Um, That's right. How do you not... Alien species that may put him in. Yeah, and I love that episode, but it's like, oh, who? who what's real, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Though I will say that's a great pitch, and I'm glad they saved it for an episode in a later season because that's a, a better episode. Yeah. What? What? I won't. I won't say no more. That's a great pitch. Mm. That sounds like it would make a wonderful episode. episode. <laughs> so we later <laughs> on leave it at that. Yeah. La-
3: <laughs> so later on we uh or no earlier on before we started the podcast I called it Robert Hewitt Wolf's Notebook, and that's what I felt like is it was just <laughs> these three totally like I know we've had episodes before where the A plot and the B plot didn't seem to have any sort of connection or theme but this was three totally unrelated things yeah it almost was like a clip it was almost like robert hubert wolf went Mm -hmm. off and said Guys, don't worry about the next episode. I'll take that on me. Like, I don't have an idea, but I'll just, you know, like, you know, everybody's got, everybody's got, you know, all hands on deck and I'll, I'll do this, this, and this.
1: (laughs) And I'll, look at the fancy writer from Next Generation. Show us what you got. (laughs) I'll just,
3: I'll just shove a bunch of shit together and this will be like a sort of a lower rung episode. But no, like, I think it's good. I think their scenes are good. I just thought the whole time, I'm just like, ugh, why are these things? Yeah. I
2: think we're getting a wider view of what's going on in the station. Each thing moves to ball down the field a little bit more on where the characters end up in the overall arc of the show. Yeah. And that's why I enjoy it. You get the beginnings of Jake and where he's gonna end up is why he's not like he's not like Wesley Crusher. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. this is the genesis of that. So boom, you got that going on in the C storyline. Yeah, good point. The B storyline brings back Vedic Bural and how much of he's gonna have to play a part in what's to come with Kira. So boom, you got that going on. True. The A plot introduces reintroduces for the first time in like three episodes the Dominion and what they're capable of. Yeah. This guy, he's a refugee essentially of the Dominion. Minion, And it brings up, again, through the little girl, the questions Odo has about his parents. So I think each plot, even though they seem random, what they're doing, they're just laying some
3: groundwork for what's to come.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like, on paper, I think I really like a lot of what they're trying to do with this episode. Yeah,
3: you've made a case for it, is that real character changes happen after one-off wheel-spinning, a slew of one-off wheel-spinning episodes.
2: After a slew of O'Brien-only episodes. (laughs) (laughs) They feel like they took a break in the middle of season two to make it the O'Brien show, (laughs) and I think it's nice that we're bringing the other characters back and kind of refocusing (laughs) on where the show is going to go.
1: Sure, you know, you're you're right, but... Also, you just hate O'Brien. No, I, I know. <laughs> We're back to Hugh hates O'Brien, aren't we?
3: But this is a classic where Robert Hewitt Wolf knows his continuity because O'Brien was in Data's String Quartet as the cellist.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was like that because yeah. All right. To just get through some of the plot stuff, Odo and Deck show up on a planet. They find a the machine. And it's a murder mystery. It's like people are disappearing. A murder on this, she wrote. It yeah. feels like murder she wrote because it's old people and boring. But, uh, <laughs> where are these disappearing people going from? They do all this stuff. The BNC plot are Kira and Quark and Jake and O'Brien and Cisco because Cisco wants Jake to get a job. Yeah. Jake doesn't want to get a job, but hey, his best friend, the Ferengi kid, Nog, has a job. Yeah, so, hey, we live but, in a
2: post-capitalism world, Dad, job. That <laughs> seems kind of... <laughs> so I understood.
1: Yeah, post-capitalism, but you got to pull your weight or or find what you love. I think that's the whole idea. That's the uh, economics and the Federation... Honestly, the ideal is that you find something that you love and you do it, and then you love doing it, and also that has something to contribute, hopefully, to the society. I mean, just from a nerd perspective, how would this thing work? And and then there's a book called Trekonomics that Mm -hmm. goes into it, where it's a prestige-based economy, basically. But basically, the ideal of... And then that gets into the whole, well, your lower rung, your Lieutenant Barclays are just like worthless whereas everybody in the enterprise is hot shit because they're the best at what they do they have the most prestige they have the most um capital in that kind of society but whatever anyways (laughs) i get ahead of myself Uh, that's a whole other podcast probably the ideal is that you find something you love and you can just do that Mm -hmm. and we get to that a little bit later when jake is very nervous about telling his dad he doesn't want to join starfleet because yeah The C plot with him and Cisco is that Cisco is going to make him get a job with Lieutenant O'Brien so that he can get in the Star Trek fleet because he can get into Star Trek. <laughs>
2: Dad, yeah. I don't want to join Star Trek. <laughs> you can get into Star
3: Trek, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when are you two going to get your kids into you know, it's your <laughs> fathers? You got to start coercing them to get into Star Trek. Uh,
3: yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> no. Right? Yeah, no, and I like that, and I do think that the show just inherently over puffs up Starfleet, specifically through like all of the next generation with, well, specifically with Wesley and how hard he worked to get in, and all of the stuff about how hard all of of them worked is at some point a key element uh, I know Jordy has several episodes about that mm-hmm. and so the idea that you would have a son that just says I'm not interested in that shit I think I mean is it I don't even know if it he, I think he ends up being a poet or I don't know what I, you know I don't want to spoil but I, yeah I know, you know but you know, I'm it, not he, gonna say he goes into an artistic trait. right and I think that the show has wired me to sort of think of him as a fuck up that Jake is kind of a fuck up because he didn't go to Starfleet he didn't even try Especially later, you know, when, when a friend of his joins Starfleet and has, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, <laughs> that was always sort of a thing. But they actually sort of, they addressed that here. He's just not.
2: Yeah. It's interesting you know, to me know, that you think he, that he's he's that way. I always felt it was sort of a relief that here's a kid. Like, it felt like a relief to me that he doesn't
1: want, because it's...
3: No, I'm saying that I think the show conditioned me to feel that
1: way. No, I... Th- not that I, I'm I
3: naturally feel that way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I agree with you. And and my, my, my whole preamble about the economics, what star, the Federation is technically all about, is about finding something you love and being able to do that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all... That's not what the show pushes. The show pushes it being a <laughs> f- fancy guy in Starfleet. But yeah. that's just like, how yeah. does that kind of post-scarcity economy work? What do people do... Yeah. I mean, the shows in general, most of Star Trek actually doesn't support that, but Deep Space Nine kind of does. Yeah. And even in this episode, I mean, find what you love and do that is the lesson. That's what Cisco at the end of this sh- that C plot tells Jake to do. It's like, oh, he's a little disappointed that he doesn't run j- join Starfleet, but Jake is. Yeah. And it's. Yeah. Jumping to the end, Jake is like, that's you, Dad. And he's like, Okay, fine. You find what you want to love, and you do the best that you can do with that, which is a you know a beautiful thing to tell your kid. Your kid. Exactly.
3: In fact, that scene talking about these conversations happening in a post-scarcity economy, the conversation that O'Brien, the story that O'Brien relates to Jake, almost felt so weird that I'm going to assume his hard scrabble Irish father was pushing him to be a cellist, yeah. and instead of that, he rebelled and went to fight the war. There's actually a Monty Python sketch about a playwright whose son wants to grow up to be a coal miner <laughs> and like that the, the father does not my son you know and he treats him like he's like some useless little pansy boy pussy who wants to go off and work with his hands you know there was <laughs> playing with that sort of irony of like hard British fathers and punishing their children into doing some sort of trade instead of doing the arts but this was like a father was like I would really love you to be a cellist and yeah, yeah. that strikes us as so weird because it's You know, that's not the experience of most people well in the scarcity economy that we live in. Right, right.
1: I want you to go to join the Eldebron Music Academy. (laughs) And he got in, but then he's like, fuck it, I'm going off to to the Cardi front.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he enlisted (laughs) in the Cardi Wars. So uh, that's an interesting, that's the one time. And this is where I like this show, is that they know how their environment, their sort of continuity is different than ours, and they play with that. And they don't, you know, and so it's it's pretty interesting that they seem to do that more on this show than on others.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, and then O'Brien's the one that gives Jake just to, I guess we'll walk backwards to, through this C-plot. O'Brien's the one that tells Jake with his whole dad tell story. Is like, hey, man, you don't want to be an engineer. You don't have to, you just got to be honest with your dad. Your dad's a cool guy. He'll understand. And then they have the whole, he's trying to teach him isolinear rods and Jake is like I can't get a grasp on this it's like it's pretty d- easy I thought people were supposed to be real smart in the future <laughs> <Because I'm... laughs> it's color coded red rods are for library and information storage white rods are for engineering systems controls blue rods we don't get to but come on kid what are you good dummy you can't fi- and then O'Brien's like I didn't figure that out till my second year of Starfleet it's like man <laughs> in the future the computers must do everything because these people are that's not complicated
3: <laughs> Having the dumbest basic things down to like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah.
1: that's a C plus. So no,
3: I like this. Histo- I like this storyline. And I guess that to, to answer Hugh's point, I think that to some degree, you're right. A show needs to just kind of push the ball along on some of these characters without it being a story, without it being a full 60 minute ordeal. Yeah. And I think that episodic television like You know, Breaking Bad would do that, but there would just be a scene with Marie. Right, right, right. In like one episode. It wasn't a Marie story. There would just be, at some point, there'd be a Marie scene. And
2: that's what this is. It's like the connecting tissue. It's like, this is the elbow that connects two larger limbs.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree. And later on, they might be okay just having it to be a connector, but this is an episodic TV show from the 90s, so they had to have an exploration, a plot. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. So they just go, and it's mid season. They're probably looking to save money, so they go to another planet where the aliens are just guys in funny hats, beads, and girls <laughs> <Yeah>. with.
3: <laughs> By the way, the hair. funniest fucking hats with like rosary
1: beads, like under- well, lots of beads. Yeah, yeah, they got rosaries in their hair or in their hats, and bones in their hairs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taya has <laughs> in all the women.
3: Yes. Oh yeah, she does have these little bone things in her hair. Yeah. Right. Right. So do we want to talk about the V plot and just get that over with and then end on the A-plot?
1: Well, I, Or do we want to just do the A-plot yeah. since it's the most boring and then get to the B-plot since it's oh. the most But it, boring, it's
2: boring, <laughs> but yeah. also you get to see both Dax and Odo ply their trade together. Yeah. And I think that was kind of cool. It's nice to see Odo actually do some detective work after not doing detective work for this entire season.
1: Yeah, and we also get further along the more precocious Dax... Even from the beginnings where Odo is, you know, he's a big prude. He's like, that's a a personal question. And she's like, I've lived long enough. The the polite questions are not any fun. I'm just going to come out and straight ask you, have you fucked? Yeah, Yeah, that was great character stuff. What did
2: you say? Oh, I'm just saying that that was some great character interplay right there.
3: I thought so, too. It was, I thought so, too. And I thought that it was like it, it helped inform her character. Right. Yeah, totally. And she's just like, I you know like because they always do put her in the she's the gossipy sort of sex relationship sort of thing like where she's talking about everybody's romantic right. entanglements and whatnot and i think that yeah, yeah, yeah. that's usually the trait of a character who's shallow but she sort of raises it to an art form like you know it seems like they write it in a way where she's the and that was a way to do it it's just like this is i've lived a long time and to me this is the only shit that matters right
1: yeah yeah it's not and that was an like, interesting just, yeah She's lived long enough that she's just a hedonist, which is, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually yeah, interesting. That's...
3: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so we go there. They land on the planet. There's a mystery that Odo. There's gets a sort mystery
1: of... machine. There's a mystery box. Except, I think we all figured it out yeah, pretty quickly, like, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Once it was like, yeah, it was all pretty clear. I got sort of distracted by the beads. They were they like, wear beads as like a wig <laughs> or something. Yeah, and then they it, wear, well, the men like, do. Muj- then they wear like Mujahideen hats over them, and it's all really. And the, all of the actors seemed oddly miscast, like it all just seemed like they were sort of white grandpa character actors that was like...
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they seem like these are old dudes that had done TV acting on, like, Gunsmoke or something back in the day. Yes. That they're like, hey, we're Western, we're good at all these guys that just had you know, uh-huh. small roles on Westerns. They're like, what am I doing with this alien show? Alright. <laughs> they're just kind of boring. I don't know.
3: Was One of which was an actor who was a friend of Iris Stephen Bear's. Oh, yeah. Like, Iris Stephen Bear had worked with him before and really liked him. I think he was like a drinking buddy, maybe. Huh. So, he fought to getting Cast in the show, I think that was the the main guy. The main grandpa,
1: the, the, the grandpa or the other sheriff in town.
3: I I don't know. I didn't look it up
1: because the me. sheriff was slightly more interesting than the grandpa. Even nobody was well, bad. The sh- they were just TV boring. That was the way I thought. Yeah,
3: of and the sheriff seemed oddly miscast because he always seemed like he was ready to like do like a little comedy bit. Like it always seemed. Well, like... he's got
2: the, he's got the most comedy chops. I mean, he's Kenneth Mars from yeah. uh, Young Frankenstein.
3: Oh, is he? Yeah.
2: Oh shit.
1: Yeah.
3: Look at you, Brigid. I didn't know who that was. But oh, okay. I'll, I'll, all right. How many times have you seen Young Frankenstein? Uh, not
1: a, not enough. Oh, so many times. That's like one. That was one of the movies we had on VHS at my dad's house. Yeah. that we would just exactly. Watch over and over. It was
2: like that when I was a kid, and we had like. Three VHS tapes and Young Frankenstein was one of them. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. And he was in Malcolm in the Middle, too. Yeah. And he's in the producers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like, so there nice you
1: go. I thought that I like that guy. And, you know, I, he, you know, he is also I the voice care. of
3: King Triton from Little Mermaid. Right. right.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. He's a kind of goofy guy, but he's he's entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. He, he had a
1: magnetism.
3: Like
2: he's, you get the feeling that he wasn't going to solve any mysteries. And that they clearly needed Odo's help. Mm-hmm. You know, he did his job.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> just like a he's just like a guy from Mayberry. You yeah, know, kind of. Right. <laughs> he's like an Andy Griffith, like bumbling kind of. He, you know. Yeah. But uh. Yeah,
3: yeah the friend of Iris Stephen Bears was the other one. Was the. Kenneth Toby, who played R- Rurigan. Uh, R- Rurigan. So the, the main, the yeah, the
1: hologram yeah, guy. Yeah, so. again, he was also fine. He's just kind of TV boring and like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a guy that was on Gunsmoke or something.
3: Yeah, so they discover the mystery. Odo is, uh, Odo specifically bonds with this young girl whose mother was the last to disappear. And I will say that this whole storyline wasn't just completely bullshit because there was a really sort of great scene between Rene Avergnois and... And this little girl.
2: Yeah, that stuff was
3: great. Yeah. Yeah, I think little girl act little kid actors, especially little kid actors on sort of syndicated television, you're not gonna like they're not picking from the best pool of quality actors here. Yeah. But it was a pretty long extended scene and she really sort of carries some some weight to it, and he's really good. And it goes back to my point, something I made in the first season. I think Renee Abergenois is probably just a really good scene
1: partner. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean like, like a
3: really good, like a giving actor who like helps and sort of like, I think that like, cause he seems to always have these moments where, like, even early when Nana Visitor was struggling in the first season, scenes with him were a little more calm, you know, and we're a little better. Yeah. And so I, I, that seems like a thing that I get that he just kind of brings, like, as an actor, he brings the best out of people. And so that sort of scene. It was a really good scene, and was like a bonding scene of Odo bonding with a kid. Yeah, which is the second time we've had that now, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's and it also sets up thing in the Gamma Quadrant where they're scouting around. All these societies mm. have these old folk tales about changelings, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then they mention the Dominion later on, which. They've got Robert Hewitt Wolf, who apparently came up with the whole idea of the Dominion, and it becomes a huge thing. Yeah. Spoilers, it's a thing called the Dominion War. Yeah. Uh, the Dominion's you were, a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> if you know Star Trek, if you follow enough to listen to a DS9 podcast, you know there's a thing called the Dominion War, probably. Yeah. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> but also, like way back in that season one Vortex episode, where we have the Odo storyline about the Space Mormons from the Gamma Quadrant, they don't mention the Dominion because they haven't thought it. Up yet, but they do have a whole thing about changelings being fairy tales, and mm-hmm. oh no, changelings aren't real, no, but they are apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, and I like that about this episode. Does a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the execution was just boring, and even the little girl that she does a fine job, but it's a bias in me. Whenever I see little girls. In shows, especially, it's like I think Stage Moms, and I just imagine that little girl like, <laughs> when they go cut. She's like, "All right, you fucking bitches, where's my fucking craft services or something?" Just being like, a huge, "Like so sweet on camera, but when once the things comes off, she just turns into a raging hell beast, you know, kind of thing." Is this
3: there any chance of this being a reoccurring character?
1: <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, that, but I thought that, but, but that scene was pretty, pretty well focused, and mm-hmm. it does. It, it does bind the story, which is a pretty Star Trekky story about tachyon fields and yeah all yeah. Poly- antimatter you know like it's Omicron a,
1: it, particles. Yeah
3: omnicrons. yeah there is a lot techno Babble right but it gives it a heart yeah. that it gives it like a human heart that it is the story is about finding specifically this girl's mom.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And then turns out, yeah, it's all, uh, they're all holograms because they can't go beyond the thing, beyond the perimeter. They disappear. They learn that with the little girl. Uh, My little bit of, I guess, angry nerd corner, Eh, we'll insert an angry nerd corner here. Maybe we'll have music at some (laughs) point. (laughs) And then I can find that.
3: It'll be some variation of that.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't know, actually, I don't. I didn't look it up. I don't know how the holodecks usually work, but in this instance, it's all Omicron field manipulation. Mm-hmm. If that's how regular holodecks work, why didn't they just figure this shit out immediately? You know, they should have said, oh, there's a lot of Omicron particles down here, and then they get to a mystery. It's like, well, it must be a holodeck because these are clearly holograms. Okay, I don't know how it works. Maybe that's not how regular suites work, which is fine. I hope it's not. I hope they work Through different whole things, and these are different kind of holograms, because I would like, Angry Nerd Corner and me would like, if this is hologram situation, to have these holograms work differently than regular holograms, so that they're surprised by it, so that it makes sense that they don't figure it out immediately. That's all. (laughs) Because they talk about Omicron particles for a while. Now, wait, have you seen all of Voyager? I've I I have maybe, but I I need to rewatch the end because I don't remember it. So effectively, no.
2: I mean, but how well do you remember the middle stuff? I guess is what I'm like. This, oh, with
1: the portable hollow emitter that the doctor or has even memory? like
2: his the doctor's life before the portable doctor, because uh, I think the hollow emitter came like around season three. It's like he spent the first yeah. two seasons not being able to go pretty much anywhere that wasn't already a holodeck.
1: Right. Exactly, and that's how this playing works. Right. Except it's it's yeah it's the emitter in the middle of town shoots it out yeah and all I wanted yeah. was it, if if it to be a big mystery that they have to figure out it should just work different than their regular holograms because otherwise yeah. why didn't they just figure it out immediately that's well, all well they had
3: to get they had to get through it because we have a whole B plot that they haven't even talked about <laughs> they
1: yeah, to yeah rush through it
3: yeah that's what I'm saying
1: angry uh, nerd corner's over that's it's a small point they just say like, I would wanted them to be surprised
3: well yeah. No, but I do think that there is a ongoing necessity among fans of the show. And I include myself in this group of people who want the techno Babble to, at least conform to a reality, you know, at least be consistent throughout, yeah. you know, the episodes in the year. So that that I think is, I think that's an accurate point. And I think the show demands that of us. I mean, how many, how many episodes deal with the warp drive and like, right, you know, right. all of these sort of minutiae. Tachyons. Of the, and... Yes. So, so yes, I think that's, I think that's a fine critique. But no, I, from that point on, I mean, it was just, they find out everybody in the hologram, everybody there is a hologram. And they need to basically reboot the heart, ho- like reboot their computer because <laughs> yeah, there was tur- a software
1: update. Have you tried turning it off and on and again? <laughs>
3: yeah. No, the man who built the hologram system thought he had kernel panic, but he did had a kernel panic, but he didn't. Yeah. He just needed to reboot the system. <laughs> right.
1: Well, yeah, she had to fiddle around with it when it, so it was off, but basically, yeah, yeah they got turn it off yeah,
3: on. Yeah, but she was doing the space equivalent of unplugging the cable for. Ten seconds and then <laughs> plugging it back in. Right. Yeah, and then so it comes back up, and then the mom's there, and everybody's there. They do realize that the the main guy, the R- Ruurgan Ma- mayor, mayor Rurigan, is not a not a hologram. He was not a
1: hologram. Yeah. So lived there for thirty and years. That was
3: actually
2: another that was actually. A, uh, I mean, even though it was a little bit predictable on our end, uh-huh. it was still like how they moved the camera. It was kind of a nice little reveal.
1: Yeah, he's standing oh, he's behind on the other side of the, the yeah.
2: whatever, Well, they moved the camera. Because, Anytime they move the camera with a purpose and remember that it's a visual medium, I always feel like I have to give them, like, high marks.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good Good on you for remembering. Yeah. That yeah. Whenever they do
3: something <laughs> remotely film-oriented. Yeah. So... Everybody's happy. What was that? He's, he's basically resigned.
2: What was the name of that Breaking Bad episode that Ryan... Uh, oh, what's his name? The,
1: the director of Episode 8 yeah. of Star Wars?
2: Yeah, he directed... Mm-hmm. Ryan
1: Johnson? Yeah, that's right,
2: Ryan Johnson. This yeah. isn't... This is. We, we don't ever get that, that <laughs> level of television... <laughs> like, film yes. work, ever. So it,
1: <laughs> No, we do not.
2: <laughs> it's sort of amazing... So you have to take
3: the quality... Yeah. yeah,
2: so it's sort of amazing that we have that now. You know what I mean? It's sort of amazing that he does like one episode yeah. of like visceral mm-hmm. filmmaking for TV.
3: And then goes and makes Star Trek 8. <laughs> Star, Wars Star Wars 8. Wars Sorry. eight. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars 8. So, yeah. Yeah, yes. No, I know. That's, well, you think about, like, I don't know, where, like, the things that Game of Thrones does with, like, action sequences and camera, that it, that, for the most part, I think we're living in an age where, if you're watching a certain level of television, it's pretty... Cinematic at this point. It's pretty, it's not just cinematic, but it's pretty uh, comparable to the cinematography of television. Or of movies, yeah, that's what right? I mean. Except for our movies now have like super superheroes fighting, you know, lizards. Like so, it's almost everything's all bigger, but like mm-hmm. still, like like there's not like a lighting issue. Like when Next Generation, the show, jumped to Next Generation Generations, all the lighting changed and everything looked different because there, it's a movie. And I think. You know, now that just that's inconceivable. Right, right. Because right. television looks exactly like movies.
2: Right. So anyway, yeah, you, you guys were on to a better point and I just got derailed by the fact that they actually moved the camera a little bit. I'm,
1: I'm <laughs> no sorry. No, that's that's impressive for them. I, I don't know what point I was I think that yeah, that's the A plot. Yeah. Um, Ta-da.
3: (laughs) Ta-da. Well, at first, he, I guess the man was kind of resigned that the hologram system was broken and he was going to have to abandon everything that he knew.
1: Oh, right, right. And he's also from uh, Dominion territory. Yeah. He didn't like what the Dominion did because it was a little oppressive. So he just found a secluded valley and created his own town, wants to be sent... Back to uh, what is it again? Yadera Prime, which is a card uh, Dominion mm-hmm. occupied place somewhere. But they talk him out of it because Odo really came to love this little girl or like her or you know mm-hmm. there they are people and, and it's I mean I don't know it's kind of like a it's like a Frank Capra kind of mo- Odo has a Frank Capra Jimmy Stewart kind of moment it's like no but they are real <laughs> there is you know maybe not our definition of life but. Yeah, it yeah. felt like a Frank Capra kind of moment. Maybe it's because everything felt like old TV.
3: Yeah, and also like I don't think like this is well before Voyager started. So the idea that mm-hmm. I guess that they had Moriarty in the Next Generation, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they did. As a yeah, polygram. they
3: already had that by by this point.
1: They'd had se- Yeah, they'd had so many Polygram episodes. They've definitely had some where. Mm-hmm. Well, this person is like a different form of life at this. I point. I think
2: by ninety four they had they had had about two Moriarty episodes.
1: Yeah. You had the right, initial
2: yeah, one yeah. and then you had the one where he could back. They'd have,
1: like, how many crew members fall in love with hologram Right. I don't know. Yeah. That's true. <laughs>
3: so, yeah, so we're, uh, so that was that storyline. I mean, I guess that Odo shows her... There's a reoccurring thing about Odo not, like, to show that he's a changeling because he still has that sort of shame from being, like, a... He was a... That he was sort of used by, nope, by
1: nobody. Nobody loves him for him. They just want to see him do tricks. Yeah, that
3: they, he was used for his entertainment value, and so at the end, he shows her that he can turn into one of her little top toys that she was playing with. Right, was right, which is
1: it was a it was yeah. a predictable but well earned moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was fine. And then at, at the end, when he turns into it, it's like, oh, I know what the design of that top was about. It was about designing something that could be easily <laughs> <laughs> computer generated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're
3: always looking at the crass backroom elements of these shows. <laughs> yeah, no. So that was that. And so that was a nice little ending to the storyline. Very TV ending. Yeah, yeah. But well earned. And now we ha- and now are we to the Kira for- portion of this?
1: Yeah, the B-plot. Oh, yeah. the vapors! Oh man, the, va- the vapors! The va- <laughs> <laughs> she, she got the vapors. She got the vapors.
3: Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a limb with this uh, s- scene where it's saying that o- Odo wasn't exposed as the only virgin in the show. Because <laughs> those uh, kiss—it's not
1: Kira, but yeah, think yeah, they, that was
3: the most awkward kiss I'd ever seen, <laughs> like ever.
1: <laughs> what? No, I mean, oh, he's definitely awkward. I mean, okay. I liked that better though then the first okay so the, then okay. their sex stream the,
3: in the, right, the third second season of episode of the season
1: yeah 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 mm-hmm. And Yeah, so to just just get this out of the way, Odo's gone from the station. Quark wants to run shenanigans. Uh, he knows Kira's going to be on his ass. There's a good scene between him and Kira where she's like, I despise you. You're, you were a Cardassian collaborator. Fuck you. And he just smiles because he's great. He's <laughs> like, oh, sorry I asked. It's like, you what, you don't like me? He's like, and she basically flips him off. And then so, because his cousin Kono... Who is a criminal that stole stole something from a museum on Cardassia Five? Is coming to the station or trying to sneak in? So to keep to distract Kira, he invite he colludes to invite Vedic Barile up to distract her, and and they get it on. Her. And it, but I like Vedic Burrell. He's not doing a whole lot different than he was in his previous I, the, incarnation. The
3: script made him bring a little more personality. Yeah. And so he brought a little more personality. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, though, he's better in this. Like the last time he was just trying, I felt I said it before, like he's just trying to be Fox Mulder and kind of is like, uh uh-huh. okay uh and then what and this one he's just like a awkward religious dude that's never been laid before yeah yeah <laughs> which makes more sense he's like uh, hey how's it going i, I just up here to, to hang out i just wanted to i thought you'd be i was hoping you'd be be
3: happy to see me you know like you know <laughs> yeah you
1: know uh and and she falls for his sweet, yeah. innocent charm, which is okay, fine. <laughs> and also, the prophets have foreseen <laughs> that they're going to get it all. Yeah, and
3: they they call they do a callback to that she's way much more religiously conservative than he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she berates him for his sermon. That was
1: a good. Yeah. That was a good moment. Yeah. yeah. So. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that was too.
3: Because she was a supporter of the the Louise Fletcher character before she went all bomb crazy. Yeah. So like that was. That was sort of well done.
1: Yeah, yeah, because he comes up to talk, and he's like, well, did you like my sermon, basically? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I liked all of it except for the content, because yeah. your interpretation, because you, he's this liberal dude whose interpretations <laughs> of the eighth prophecy are totally flip the, the head on what the general interpretation is, which, you know, you know there's Christian sects that do the same thing, like, the little more liberal ones that I generally kind of sympathize with more. They're like, oh, well, you know, like the whole anti, the Romans anti-gay stuff is more about, you know, sex in idols and stuff. Yeah. But that's, a, that's, a, that's also another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the sex iconography of the Bajoran religion
3: episode. No, uh, like, so, okay, so to end the story, like, they, it turns out that Vedit Barile was sort of coaxed to go in there by an inveterate gambler who owed Quark a lot of money. Uh, Kira puts it together that they got Barile there to distract her while quark tries to get away with shenanigans so. right because
1: they they both share a love for spring balls. <laughs> and yes. yeah. they go off to yes they and it's like oh you love spring balls oh me too uh and then is like well, do you do you want do you want to you go play spring ball with me he's like yeah we gotta end it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get back and they make out.
3: By um, the way, I'm loving your barile yeah. impersonation.
1: In <laughs> yeah, this episode, it's just like, hey, how's it going? I'm, all right. If you like me, I guess I, I, guess I like you too. <laughs> <laughs> but Spring Ball was interesting because it reminded, it just in, in my head, it reminded me of a thing that happens 10 years later where, what, what's the name of the sport that they play in Battlestar Galactica? Oh, I don't remember it's something else it's not spring ball but i just imagine spring ball being a lot like that
3: yeah yeah and i think they come back to spring ball later don't they it's well i
2: i don't remember but that you were getting into the one thing i really like i thought it was a little bit the, like Chekhov's gun or you mentioned the gun it needs to go off like i need to see the spring ball <laughs> was the one thing I was you felt that's the one thing i was but she change. wears
1: that cool like um bandana around her head mm-hmm. the green thing after they get back that was pretty that was pretty bitching
3: yeah you was. got to see her, <laughs> in her in her space lulu lemons so uh, uh <laughs> right? relax yeah. relaxing after some spring ball i don't know if i needed to see the spring ball or not maybe i did i not that would yeah, be yeah i
1: don't know either
3: um so like my only thing my, my favorite th- moment of this whole storyline was because that kiss was awkward but um <laughs> but my favorite thing is when I Yeah, but so
1: is he at this yeah, point, so I was okay yeah. with it.
3: But when she is uh when she's told that he's on the ship and you get like a long shot of her walking to the docking port or whatever, and I could just see her going like I'm gonna get some tea. <laughs> okay. like, she had, like, <laughs> a, like she had a little spring in her step. Like here was Kira was uh Kira was about to get some tea. So she I Now you guys
2: you guys are picturing that the spring balls is just two people carrying like holding a spring in their hand and trying to hit a ball with it.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I imagine whatever it is that Starbuck plays on Battlestar Galactica. Honestly. I don't remember
3: because <laughs> but I can't get um racquetball from when Bashir and O'Brien played racquetball. Oh yeah. I can't get that. I, I assume yeah. it just looks something like I feel, that.
1: <laughs> I, I I imagined it was like that, but handball, but honestly. <laughs> like like they play racquetball players in New York play, they don't, you know, on the courts they just do it with their hands. Yeah. Nobody plays racquetball. So this the... is
2: where they've boxed themselves in a little bit, is because it has to be something simple enough that a refugee can play oh yeah yeah because she did it, it she can't did. have a whole lot of like it can't complicated equipment or anything like that
1: so. yeah that's true. right and you talk about she's like walks off like i'm gonna get some <laughs> like that's how the episode closes
0: <laughs>
3: yeah okay she, so she, okay so that's what i was gonna ask she's like
1: i got i'm on to you quirk so
3: she's totally going to fuck him right like i, I found
1: him very yeah th- she's th- like
3: this is that stage in their relationship right? or she's
1: just walking him off the station at least but he's <laughs> like Oh, oh, I see what she calls him out. And, I know what you did. You're not, you don't get what I know your cousin was on there. I'm going to get you next time, is basically she says. And he's like, Well, you know, life is full of disappointments. Yeah. And he says that disappointed as well because his scheme didn't go off.
3: Yeah, yeah. So she, I mean, yeah, she's rubbing at his face that she both thwarted his shenanigans and she's going to get it right here, baby.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And she's like, I found him very. Diverting, And then she has a slow walk off to join him and arm in arm. And she's like, yeah. And you're, oh, I'm going to get some. Yeah. She, like, she fucked it. She fucked it. I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> Which was great.
3: So I assume that there's a, because th- I know that later on, do they, I, I'm just wondering if like two episodes from now they have the, they consummate their, relationship episode but it looks like they they fucked off camera so
1: yeah probably yeah it's still 1994 they gotta be a little demure about it yeah
3: yeah she can't literally sing i'm about to get some tea (laughs) (laughs) so yeah no um all right yeah yeah so i mean i guess we can move into what we want to change yeah, I already yeah. went.
2: I told you guys what was on my mind. I need to, uh, what, what, do you, what was
3: your what was your I, mean,
2: I need to see the spring ball. I'm, I was a little year Oh, you got to see the
3: spring ball. <laughs> That's it. Mine is pretty small. Mine is really small too. Is that I would have liked? Uh, I don't know. Like I don't know. It just occurred to me when you have the hologram because he's kind of like fat old guy who makes the hologram, and everybody there is kind of like fat old guys. Mm-hmm. Like. If I could make a hologram world, I probably wouldn't be a fat old guy. And everybody else wouldn't be either. Like, I don't know. Like, it seemed like they could have been like done a sort of an interesting thing where everybody's kind of. Beautiful. I don't know. And like has these sort of mesmerizing qualities because he's getting to make the world up as he wants. You know, he basically made a town. Right. He's 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 living in Sims. But <laughs> so like he gets to make the town up, so it seems like everybody would have been pretty, and then when they reboot the system, he's like a fat old guy. <laughs> you know, like that would have been well,
2: like sort of say touching. That he Is made that, it as every as he remembered everybody. Oh. Like they're all based yeah, off yeah. people.
1: Like if you if you were just gonna do wish fulfillment it like, <laughs> the episode would <laughs> I'm sorry. <this laughs> It's <laughs> gonna get very, very crude. <laughs> they land on a planet. It's like, why is everybody sucking this one guy's dick? <laughs> 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 and that would be like a was, well, you definitely couldn't do that in 1994. No, so no, well, he's just an old man that it, wants to live like how he lived. Well, it, yeah, not to be a god. Uh, that's
3: a good point. So he's recreating these sort of things, but he set them in motion to where they can breed and cross and all of that stuff. Yeah, you're right. I just it would have. Right. I don't know. That would have been an. I,
1: he's building Mayberry because he's an old, quaint old man that likes to watch <laughs> Murder She Wrote. <laughs> And he's <laughs> like, let me just build a small town around me. He was
2: very much... Um... He didn't build a whole lot of people of color, did he? No, he didn't. It was all...
1: Uh, there was one or two... Uh, okay. I think I saw all right but yeah not not so much but yeah i mean that's kind of similar to my whole thing i would change too if, if if that's all most of yours james
3: yeah that's that's it that was that was the smallest thing i could come up with other than like maybe maybe don't do three unconnected stories in an episode right but i mean Hugh, Hugh convinced me that it had merit so right
1: well i have a couple of ways to do it like one like on paper i like everything that does and every there. But it's basically a next generation story. You got to you got to spice it up a little bit. One, the aliens are fucking boring as hell. They're just humans with they are. stupid hats and shit in their hair. They're so boring. It's, and it's really just a rehash Next Generation episode yeah. you could have done mm-hmm. in the A-plot. So at least make it visually entertaining. Like, make them weird-looking aliens, but I understand they're probably mid-season, they're looking to save money like they did on yes. Move Along Home. That's probably why they're not very visually entertaining to look at. In
3: fact, the set is an old Next Generation set, so they didn't even have to build the set yeah so right yeah this is definitely like a money
1: so i mean i get it yeah and also so yeah just make it more and also all the actors are fine but like i said before they're just like tv boring of you know like i don't know they felt like they're all from bonanza or Gunsmoke or something so like the acting was fine, but I would have liked something like younger people, a little bit more dynamic and energy, because they're just all old men going, "What? Well, you know, she's my granddaughter. I love her. you know, like <laughs> nobody has a lot of energy in their performance. Yeah. So if if we have the one we we have we're working with, I would just have liked to have weirder looking aliens and. More high octane acting from the director trying to get energy out of these people. Yeah. But the other thing I like, like, oh, we talked about this is like, oh, we're getting character stuff. And if we're doing this as a modern TV kind of thing uh, instead of like an episodic thing mm-hmm. uh, episode of the week or whatever i would have liked to do just like a breaking bed or uh, uh, any of these like novelizations you know kind of prestige television where they have these the uh, season is pumping along and everything's intense and they like they decide whoa 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 we need to slow it down and this would be a slowdown episode but instead of even don't even bother trying to take them anywhere this show, and even Battlestar tried to do this when they when they stopped doing. They started trying to do episodic stuff in two, season two or three, and it kind of I didn't like it. That was one of the problems with that show. But yeah, but anyways, they tried to do a slice of that life. was the long season two. I yeah. Believe. But if you are just do a slice of life episode, like a fucking Quentin Tarantino screenplay where the first half of it, you're just hanging out with the characters. Don't make them go anywhere. Just like make this whole episode. We're going to just slow it down. And this is just what life on DS9 is like. And you can do do like a shortcuts where you just have five, you know, the Robert Altman movie or, you know, like (laughs) any one of those where they're just like all these different things where they don't necessarily... All come together, you know, like it's just hanging out with the characters. Yeah, yeah. And then you get to learn about that, and just just do one of those to slow down the season, and then you jump back into it. Yeah,
3: Mad Men and Game of Thrones do those kind of episodes where it's just like visiting, like touchpointing a bunch of random people, yeah. you know, people just to get them everybody in place for the big episode. Game of Thrones is more than Mad Men, but like, yeah, that would have been a nice, yeah, yeah
1: yeah so i mean and i understand this is 1994 yeah they
3: weren't thinking it like that that at all
1: they they don't do that kind of stuff but this is kind essentially that's what this episode is because this is kind of boring we like there's three plots a b and c which don't interact at all so you can it feels like it's and it's in the middle of the season it feels like that's what they're trying to do except they're beholden to this kind of episodic kind of format where they have to go off and explore something. Yeah. So just in a perfect world, if, if we were doing DS9, as maybe Brian Fuller's doing this new season, like, yeah, this is just a slowdown episode. And, just, and we just live with that. So that's, that's what I would change. That, that's all I got.
3: Yeah. All right. Do you have any uh, Amazon information for us? Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, do you guys want to guess,
2: or did you guys take a peek about what the... Uh star rating was on i six point seven
3: i'm actually gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm not gonna fight him on that six point seven
2: all right actually this one was voted uh five hundred and forty which is pretty fair to midland for the amount of votes and it was seven point two out of ten
1: re, re, re,
3: huh. okay
2: all right <laughs> people really it's it's got some it's got some good
1: stuff people like it i
3: guess the scene the scene between jake and the whole storyline with jake is is really really nice. So like, yeah, I, I mean, like it does. That's quality. It sets stuff. the
1: stage for a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. which I it's that's what I'm saying. It's quality. It's just boring.
3: Yeah, if you were gonna cut together like ten of ten minutes of the best Jake or no five minutes of the best Jake scenes in the whole show, that scene with him and his dad would probably be in there. You know,
1: it might be the first one,
3: yeah, but just to build a story <laughs> like, just that for build.
1: like 20 seconds because, yeah, because there's some pretty good Jake stuff coming up,
3: yeah, you're right. He gets whole episodes later, but I mean, like, no, like that he's choosing not to go to Starfleet. That's a defining characteristic of him, so yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, in a five minute, like, YouTube clip, you'd have one shot of him and his onesie from in this area, <laughs> just being a little. Sailor Boy or whatever. And then you jump straight to this yeah. and say, no, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Or, or the self-sealing simbolts and then this.
2: Right. Sim-
1: self-sealing simbolts and then I miss her too, Dad. So yes. From that throwaway episode we had where they talk about. Oh, my God. Uh, dead Jennifer. That was. And, so you, and wait a minute, He's
2: got to be
3: hanging his feet off the prom or not.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's your starter. That, yeah. 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 That's the beginning.
3: Sucking on maybe. a jump stick. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that episode where he tells his dad, I miss her too. That was the worst episode of the season. Yeah. So far. So I, I'm putting my pin in that.
1: But otherwise than that, yeah, no. Uh, rules of acquisition. There's, uh, well, never mind. Yeah. We won't get into that. I think we're running, yeah, we're at a good stuff. We'll point. We'll
3: have a whole podcast on these, so. All right. Are
2: we Are we done? All right, guys. Yep. I think that, that about covers it for, on my end. You guys got anything else to close it out? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, three to beam out. Beep.
0: Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes. Please follow us on Twitter at AcquisitionPod. And on Tumblr at TheRulesOfAcquisitionPodcast.tumblr.com Excuse me, I need a defrag... Because this little robot looks so good I might just start Bluetooth syncing. I can't help it with beautiful robots, I just start syncing with them. And they let me when you are on a Deep Space Nine podcast they let you. Sometimes I just grab them in their data port. Where is the handle for this door?